Jeremiah chapter 18. Abraham lived about 2,000 years B.C. Moses lived about 1,500 years B.C. And David lived about 1,000 years B.C. That's kind of how you can keep things in order. Not a lot remains of life from those ancient times. The manna that was in the Ark of the Covenant and Aaron's rod were both lost by the time of Solomon. All that was left in the Ark of God when Solomon was king was the two stone tablets of the testimony. Nebuchadnezzar carried away the people of Jerusalem three different times. I don't have my phone with me. Is there anything I need to know? Oh, thunderstorm, no problem. So Nebuchadnezzar carried away the heavens of Jerusalem three different times, 605, 597, and 586. After that, the ark was lost, never to be seen again. The ark was not in the second temple that Zerubbabel built in Jerusalem when the remnant of Israelites returned from Babylon. And there's essentially nothing left from the time of the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years. Because of that, some archaeologists have doubts that it ever happened. So far, no one has ever found any Egyptian chariots, so they're not sure where the Exodus took place. They're not even sure of the date of the Exodus. I saw one man with a picture of a chariot wheel that they had discovered. That's a fraud. His son exposed that as a fraud. But there are some things that are left from ancient times. There are weapons, some drawings, some idols, some writings on stone and baked clay, some graves, some remains of town, some coins. Coins were not invented until 700 B.C. And various small objects. There is one thing that remains that there is a lot of, and that is pottery. Everyone had pottery vessels in their tents or their houses. You couldn't do much without a vessel of some kind. Some vessels that they traveled with were made out of animal skins for holding water or wine, but most vessels in the home were made from clay. I have a little display case in my house where I have some of these vessels, several pottery vessels from 1000 to 2000 BC, the times of Abraham and Moses. So the idea of a vessel became a very important one in Bible times. We find them in many places in the Old and New Testament. I want to look at three places today. First, in the 18th chapter of Jeremiah, the Lord used the figure of the potter working with clay to describe how he deals with men. It was a very familiar image and an excellent way to send them his message. Jeremiah chapter 18. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. The potter's house had a stone wheel fixed to a table that could be turned either by his hand or his foot. This one is a wooden wheel. And by the table was a pile of clay and a dish of water. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. The potter would take some clay and a little water and make a lump of clay in his hands. He would put the lump on the wheel as he turned it and form it into a small round cone. Then as it's spinning, he would push his thumb into the top of the cone and open a hole down through the center. He would press the edges of the cone between his fingers and widen the opening to the size that he wants. As he does so, he gives the clay whatever shape he pleases with great care and speed. 
While Jeremiah was watching the potter, something happened to the clay while the potter was forming it. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Now God did not accidentally make a mistake with the clay. The clay had something wrong with itself. God didn't get his thumb stuck on the clay and poke a hole in it as it is turning. There was a problem with the clay that caused the problem. In my library, I have a book written by a biblical museum curator in Greenville, South Carolina. And she's made many trips to the Holy Land, and she describes potters that she has seen working at the wheel. She said she has seen the potter many times have to reshape the clay because of some defect in the clay. The potter would change his mind about what he was going to do with the clay and crush the clay into a new mass and start all over. He would then make a completely different vessel. She was amazed at how fast the potter could work, but then she remembered that he was a master working with clay. Then she went to a peasant's home. As you enter the door, behind the door there is a bench, a little more than a meter high with three holes in it. This is the water jar stand. It is called the holder of jars. Here you will see two large jars, each holding about 12 to 16 liters or four to five gallons. Beside them is a small drinking vessel. The peasant will offer you the small drinking vessel as you enter the house. It takes some time to learn how to use it, but the children have no problem using it. You will be invited to fill it to the top with water from the first jar called the vessel of honor. What is the vessel of honor? For that answer, we need to go back to the potter. We will ask him if we can buy a vessel, and the potter will ask us what we're going to do with it. We tell him we're going to take it to the fountain and draw water. We are, so he will sell us a vessel of honor. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes, and some are for ignoble purposes. The clay vessel of honor that we want is going to be filled with pure water from the fountain to quench the thirst of the stranger or the traveler. We buy the vessel of honor, which is beautifully shaped and has two large handles. We place it on our right shoulder and go to the fountain to get water. If we meet a stranger, he will see our jar filled with cold, clean water, and he will likely ask us for a drink. This is the mission of the vessel of honor, giving free water, the gift of God, to passers-by. It's nothing but an earthen vessel, but nevertheless, it is a vessel of honor because it has the nature to give out pure water. It fulfills the expectations of the master potter. This is the first large vessel on the bench behind the door. Next to it is the other large vessel. It looks just like the vessel of honor, but it is not the same nature. You could never tell the difference. But the potter can explain to you the difference between the vessel of honor and the vessel of dishonor. The second vessel will remain at home. All the stale water from the vessel of honor will be emptied into it. It receives much, but gives out very little. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 28, 
<clears throat> Jehoiakim is described as a broken pot or a vessel of no pleasure, an object no one wants. This is the vessel behind the vessel of honor on the bench. This vessel receives leftover water, but never gives out refreshing water. It is used only for stale water, and after a time, the inside becomes slimy and the water smells bad. There is no pleasure in it, either to the potter or to the owner. It is finally placed in the backyard as a vessel for waste things, and then it will be called an abdominal vessel. In Isaiah 65, verse 4, the prophet mentions those who eat the flesh of pigs and whose pots hold broth of unclean meat. It must be sad for the potter to know that the vessel he spent time and skill on should become a vessel of dishonor and at last become an abominable vessel. The second vessel I want to consider is the clean vessel. The Lord talks about clean vessels in Isaiah 66. And they will bring all your brothers from all the nations to my holy mountain in Jerusalem as an offering to the Lord on horses, in chariots and wagons, and on mules and camels, says the Lord. They will bring them as the Israelites bring their grain offerings to the temple of the Lord in ceremonially clean vessels. And I will select some of them also to be priests and Levites, says the Lord. This one was once a vessel of honor on that bench behind the door, giving out pure water to thirsty travelers. It has been handled by many unclean hands. Its nature has not changed, but its looks have been damaged. So it will be taken to the potter again to be filled, filed, and scraped. He will remove all the uncleanness left by contact from dirty hands and then place it in the furnace again and burn it once more. It comes out ready to be used again, clean within and without. It, it is now once more a clean vessel. The third and last vessel is found in Romans chapter 9, verse 22. What if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction. God is going to show his mercy on people who have rejected him in an effort to get them to repent, to repair the broken pottery. The, <clears throat> Dr. Am I still? I'm not on. <clears throat> Is there anything? Thank you, Paul. I'm reminded of, of Dr. Lewis, uh, Jack Lewis, at White Station Church in Memphis one time. A fellow fell out on the floor, and some men came down and picked him up and carried him out, and Dr. Lewis just kept right on with the lecture. <laughs> I love that guy. He lived to be 99. <clears throat> All right. The Apostle Paul is saying here that God is going to show great patience to people who really deserve destruction rather than mercy. Then he goes on in verses 23 and 24. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, 
whom he also called. He's showing mercy to show his glory, to make these objects fit for destruction back into clean, honorable vessels. God originally intended for us to be vessels with a measure of glory, but we have made his work difficult. Let's go back to the potter. We see... Now, if they can uh, worship in Ukraine with the air raid sirens going off and the missiles going over like they say every night, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stop. I get the uh, Facebook notes from Alexander Rodachev, and, and he says they just keep right on evangelizing. We go back to the potter, and we'll see a pile of vessels that have been put aside called vessels of wrath. These are useless to the potter. They appeared just fine until they were put into the furnace to be baked, but they came out cracked. They just could not stand up to the fire. But the potter is not going to give up on them. He has prepared a certain kind of cement out of a bug, which is a small tick-like insect that attaches to goats and bulls called the fasuka bug. The potter takes the blood of the tick and mixes it with some powdered, broken pottery and cements the cracks in his vessel of wrath. When he passes it through the furnace again, it may come out all right or it may come out broken again. He patiently cements it again and again, but he may finally have to lay it aside and call it a vessel of wrath and cast it away. God is like the potter who chooses to show his great patience and mercy by cementing us with a special blood so that we will finally be prepared as a vessel of glory. God does not make cracked pottery, but he does work very hard on cracked pottery to make them vessels of honor. Tonight we give you the opportunity to make any wishes you may have known as we stand and as we sing.